0: to be a minister of the gospel and who have committed themselves to the call of heaven to have a true knowledge of what the church is that is in the concept of God not as thoughts by men so in our first day we went through the church of the living God where we looked at before God what is the church Then we looked at what is the composition of the church, who formed the church. In that, we also look at how are they, you know, uh, um, enlisted or how does the formation come. And in view of that, we explore a little bit into grace and mercy. Putting every one of us in the true picture of what the church is. And we understood, therefore, many other things about the church that the composition of the church is such that you have all manners of people. I showed you from the scripture the categories of human beings that will be in the church and the behaviour, a pattern of those human beings, so that when you see those things in church, it doesn't bother you. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not strange to you. What I mean by that is that it's not strange to you, so that you having a true knowledge of what the church is, you will not label some people as devil only because they are what the Bible says they are. You will not take decisions that will wreck your calling for future by exterminating people who God has ordained for you, but because the level they were is not the level you thought. So that now having a true knowledge of them, you can accommodate those who as we saw together, the Bible classify as ignobles. And I want to remember the three categories of ignobility so that you will be able to be patient enough to uh, allow the process to go through so that they can go from the most ignoble to the more and then the next stage before they become noble. And we also saw the only medicine to bring in a whole church to the nobility Is the word And we look very much into the fact that According to the book of Acts chapter uh, 4 From verse 32 downwards to 34 That whenever the minister preaches the word of God That is, preaches the resurrection of Christ in power Grace pour upon the church So we know this therefore that If you're a pastor If your church is successful It is you If your church fails It is you now, these preliminaries we have set will transpire or it will go through all what will be taught in the week. As today, I know that in our timetable, we we have to trickle things around. Before teaching you about crisis and, um, and um, conflict resolution, I think I should teach you more about the church. So this morning we are looking at church growth. Church growth. Whenever we talk about church planting, that is we look at church growth and then we are going from the origin of church from church planting. On that church growth, we are looking at church planting. Pastor, come your seat. Whenever we talk about church growth or church planting, Let me say We tend to look at this Only from the spiritual perspective I'm sure you remember I mentioned that Whenever people talk about church The first thing they think is spiritual Yes, it's correct But we must always remember that Spiritual Is not the composition of the church Okay The church is composed by Physical human beings They are not spirits Okay So Therefore, in this study we will be looking into the holistic view of the church planting. We must bear in mind that church operations do not only consist of the gathering of people, but also people management. So whenever you think of planting a church, you must first sit down and count the costs. The book of Luke is the bedrock of our reasoning. In Luke chapter 14, verse 28, it says, Suppose one of you want to build a a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? I will explore this statement of Jesus Christ because some of you will be in a position in the future to raise uh, members in the church to maturity and send them out or in church plans. You don't plan church by faith. Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 10, when Jesus sent them out, he gave them what is needed, power and authority. He empowered them and he permitted them. You remember we mentioned this during... Uh, Our lectures, when I was talking about many ministers who have the fear of losing control. Alright? People have been grown in your church. They have been nurtured in your church. Your gift brought them. Your teaching matured them. But your structure doesn't assign any responsibility to them. And then they just get, uh, you know, uh, to a place where they are fed up. And they will visit other places. And then they will pray with somebody. Before you know it, they made them assistant pastor. They made them pastor. And these are assets that you invested your life in and developed. And because of the fear of not wanting to lose control, many leaders in the church of God have remained with their little home cell group, which they call church. If you are pastoring a church that is still within 30, 50 people, it's a cell group. I think 120 people is the first cell group that we know. So if you are still pastoring a church, it's 120 people. Adults. I'm talking about not children. You are a cell group leader, a pastor, or you are a cell group leader because the cell group in the upper room was 120. All right. Now, what we're looking there for is this. Jesus said, "If a man wants to build a tower," the first thing that struck me in that statement is that Jesus is not saying if a man wants to build a room or if a man wants to build a house. Can you see what I'm saying? He said, if a man wants to be what? A mansion. A tower. So a minister from his onset must have a vision that is not just local minded, but city and nation minded. You don't wake up in the morning to be sent to a place, to go and pastor a place, and just think that, well, you know, this is a local church, I just want to cover this area, and then you're looking for one, two, three fragments of people. Fail. Fail. Jesus addressed the concept of man, that your concept should be tower, not a little house somewhere. But then he says, if a man wants to build a tower, therefore, what must he do? Sit down first, and apply the principle of yesterday, duty of a minister. A minister must first Take care of himself. And then the church. That is, a minister must watch over himself and then over the church. The first thing you think about is that, yes, I'm sent to Liverpool. There is no church in Liverpool as far as you are concerned. What is the population of Liverpool? There are one million people. What portion do I want in Liverpool? I want 10% of Liverpool. So it means that in Liverpool, I want 100,000 souls. Then you now sit down, watching over yourself. What am I? What have I? Can I? Am I equipped? What equipment do I need? How can I cut across all these people? Understanding the spectrum of the human beings you're talking about, so it means that you have to first insert into looking into what is their, you know, you know, geographical, you know, disparity. What is what is their ethnic city in that city? What kind of people live there? What is the ratio of the Asians to the Africans to the to the uh, uh, Caucasians and all stuff like that? What about their religious disparity? Is it a stronghold of witchcraft? Are they? Is it a stronghold of Islam? Is it a stronghold of Buddhism? Now, the understanding of this has to do with your concept initial. Because if initially your concept is, God has sent me to this place to take a city. Some people have explained about the issue about what they call mapping the city. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what Jesus said here. That you minister, you want to build a tower. So you can have a a vision that is less than a tower. Two, watch over yourself, your first duty. Look at yourself. So that everything you need to achieve your aim, you can illuminate them. Not necessarily that you have them. But you can list all what you need to achieve building a tower. Jesus says, sit down and count the costs first. Now, having counted the costs, then he says you should evaluate what you have, potential. Whether you can deliver or not. Now, in this potential evaluation, Jesus is not saying that you have everything to build it. Okay? But he's saying that you have every acumen strand to make it happen. Finance to kickstart it. You have planning that can attract other people, like, you know, and making your vision plane and errors running with it. And then after you have accurately, you know, put down the costing, then you go on the venture. Now let me take you through some few facts Just to add to that There are nine areas That I think I can You know just um, Apply this Statement of Jesus The first one is making the vision that, Sorry the first one is The church vision Your church vision Alright if a man wants to build a tower The second thing is your church location. All these things are addressed from this concept. Your church vision, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. Then your church location, very, very essential. Because I'm going to Liverpool, I don't know where to go in Liverpool. Shall I go to Liverpool and start my church in industrial estate? Like some would do. If I start my church in industrial estate, who am I appealing to to come? Does buses go to industrial estate? Can a poor man reach industrial estate? Knowing fully well that the first set of people who respond to gospel are the poor. does it look like that in your church too? Because it is the gospel for the poor. But then God makes the poor rich eventually. Through your own obedience and your teaching. So therefore when you are starting a church and you place a church out of the reach of the poor, who will be your members? Are we talking together? So the first thing I see there is vision, and then the second is third location. Third location is Acts chapter 1, verse 4, and verse 8. Write that down. Let me go through the nine things first, and then we'll explain briefly. Acts chapter 1, verse verse 4, and 8, and Luke chapter 10, verse 1. Then the number three thing that I saw in that scripture is your target group. Who are you sent to? Then number four. And that is, in your target group, we are looking at the book of Luke 15, 4, 6, 9. Let me say the whole of 16. Just put that down. And chapter 19, verse 10. Then number four. Your present responsibility... These are things you consider before church planting. Your present responsibility. Number five, the financial cost. How much will it cost you? Number six, The church structure. What structure is a church? Number seven. The immediate need of the church. If you want to plant a church, what does it need? Number seven. No number. Number eight now. I think. Who is backing you up? And number nine. Have you yourself been fully discipled? I see these nine areas in um, what Jesus was speaking about. When he said, If a man wants to build a tower, will he not first sit down, count the costs, and then... Check out whether he can complete what he is intending. And if you look at the next line in it, it says that because if he does not, if he begins and he cannot complete, will people not make a fun of him? Alright, now let's go through these nice, nine areas together. Um, the first one is make, you know, the church vision. Whatever vision God has given to you, in the area of church vision, I will, I will deal with, two categories of church. You have the category of a church that came from an ecclesia. That is, you are a branch of a church. Like Christ Tabernacle Church, all churches of CFT globally are branches of CFT. So, no CFT pastor can have any vision apart from the vision God has given to the mother church, which is the founder. Then you belong to an ecclesia. Like Anglican Church, like Methodist Church, like Roman Catholic Church, like, you know, any other Pentecostal church. Where somebody pioneered the work, and God brought pastors in to run the vision. So, the procedure of that is that Habakkuk says, make the vision plain, write it on a tablet. Now, then the never say, and Herald will run with it. Now, Understand. What gave birth to those of you who I raised, and then sent out, and then appointed you? What gave birth to you is that the vision was plain to you. I made the vision very clear to you. And you bought into the vision. You, you know, I didn't speak to you in coded language when it comes to the vision of heaven. Really the approach I do in this church it should be the approach You follow. When the Lord visits me, I tell everybody, including leaders, including members. Because when I tell everybody in the house, everybody will have interpretation in different ways. And because everybody has the knowledge of the same information, each person will run with it in their own capability and capacity. And it will ease the work of those who are leaders. Because when the leaders are running, the ones under you know... While you are running, this is what God said. And so it will make it easier for them to obey the instruction you give them in line with the vision. Because the vision is plain. Do that also to your churches. And you will not have headache. Don't have a group in your church who you discuss vision with, another group are discarded. You will fail. When Jesus would discuss sacred things, he discussed with his church. His church is 12. That was his congregation. Then we recognize again that he has another 72. And then we discover that they weren't counting the women really in those numbers because in the, at the end of the day they were 120. So this 120 he revealed the secret to. Vision must be plain. For Herald to run. Let me say this. This is just a little bit of digression, but it's a good like, digression. You know, one of the things that cause fundamental problems between husband and wife. Lack of transparency. Lack of transparency. <laughs> if your wife does not understand your vision or know your vision, and you just see you, you know, driving the steering wheel to anywhere you'd like, one day he will say, ah, we had enough of this. Why don't you tell me? Why don't you let me know your contemplation? I didn't prepare for this that you are taking me in. She doesn't have to be in the steering wheel. When it comes to direction in life, if she's informed, she prepares as a woman every preparation that you cannot do, which is needed for that move. She will take care of it. When you move, you move in comfort and ease. Same thing with church. Make the vision plain. Write it on a tablet. And then God will give you herald. But if you are one of those who will just pick and choose the people you can tell the vision, and then you expect the whole people to move with the vision, you will be frustrated. Really, what God does is that in a matter of time will change you. So if you are an ecclesia, your visioner is your founder. You cannot have any other vision. And he is the master architect. You cannot build in any other way. And your duty is to run with the vision and communicate the vision to others. But if you are a pioneer, this is the principle. You remember when I was teaching you about the secret and success of Jesus yesterday? If you remember, one of it is trust and confidence. Jesus trusted us when we were not competent. He trusted us when we were not capable. And he, he not only trusted us, he had confidence in us. So he allowed us to make mistakes and learn by our mistakes. But what we cannot do to Jesus is to argue with Him. The moment He corrects us, we say yes, sir. So ministers who are pioneers must relate with all their members, giving them instruction and understanding. And those of you who work under your pioneers, the only thing you can do for yourself to be successful is to say yes, sir, and not to argue. That's all you can do, because He is the one who got to tell us about vision. And if you do not know the vision God has given him, you will fail because you will not know how to communicate the vision downline. You will raise the people who are not connected and the unction cannot flow down the roots. You just keep struggling. One of the things that I've found with all my branch churches is that in branch churches, you know, the people, when I visit those churches, alright, the members of those churches Are so happy Because Their pastors have told them about A father Through who They were made And when they speak Sometimes they teach the church They they refer to some of the things I've taught So that when I get there Without talking to them And I begin to teach Some of them have come to me and say Ah (laughs) Pastor is really your true son Because most of the things you are saying He says And because I repeated it too the people run like mad. I saw such churches, those members love their pastor so much and have confidence in their pastor because their pastor loves somebody above him who he has confidence in. They don't want to do anything against what apostle has said. Because they have an identity. That comes only because the vision is plain. It comes because the vision is plain. And when we talk about church crisis, I will talk. I will use some of the crises we went through branches of CFT to remind you again, analyze, and help you understand how we got over it. I remember one day, I one of my uh, my um, um, uh, affiliates, not CFT branch, but it's a Prophetic Voice Ministers Church. That pastor, you know, he was not. He was not a young man. He, he was in his sixties. And he had a man in his church, who was an elder, in his seventies. And uh, that man, his his family were the instrumentalists. The child is the lead vocalist, the, the daughter is uh, the daughter is lead vocalist, the son is the keyboardist, another son plays guitar, another child plays this. All those who play instruments in his church are from this man. And so, that man now will sob the authority over the pastor. So when the pastor says something, he will counter it. Pastor will say something, he will get his own group and tell them another thing. So the pastor discovered that things were working wrong for him because he couldn't communicate to those people. And this guy has got his own empire within the whole church, and he is afraid to deal with it because he thought he would lose everybody. So he came to me, and I asked for a meeting of the leaders. And I went to that church. When I got there, I shared with them about the sin of rebellion is as witchcraft. I showed them beyond any reasonable doubt or unreasonable doubts that if you are a rebel to God, you are the same as a witch. The judgment of a witch is what it gives you. Then I looked at him. I said, Elder, What is your position in this church? He said, elder sir. I said, can you tell me who this man is to you? He said, that is our pastor sir. I said, spiritually what is he? He said, he's our father. I said, you call him father? He said, yes. And I said, you look up to your father and argue with him. Can you do that to God? He looked down. He said, no, sir. I said, you know the consequence of such? He said, I'm sorry, sir. I said, okay. You have recognized what you have done. I said, do the appropriate thing right now before me. He got up from his seat. He knelt down before the pastor and held his leg he said, please forgive me. I said, pastor, lay your hands on him. Because it is you who lay hands on this man that he bore the title. If you did not lay hands on him, nobody will call him elder. Now with the same hand of oil you have laid upon him, bless him. Because your spirit had cursed him, not your mouth. And I warn the man seriously, never in your life should you think you are more than what you are. Because If you decide to leave the church and go God will bring in right behind you Six better men It's a privilege for you to be used by God So what I'm saying to you is that Vision must be communicative And it must go to the last strand of the church I didn't want to spend more time talking about this really Because I want to finish this Within the period So your vision must be plain Number two, the church location, where are you sent to? If you look at the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 4, let's see that together, Acts 1, 4. It says, "Once one of the occasions while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gifts. My father promised, which you have heard me speak about. I want to listen with the understanding that we are talking about location. Verse 8 says, but you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all the Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If you look at this scripture, Jesus began by saying, "Do not leave Jerusalem." There is something about right location for ministry. God didn't call you to the whole world; He called you to a specific place, a specific people. If you miss that base, your voice cannot go to the whole world. Many people miss where God is sent them. I will together now for the power to come. If they were in Samaria, they will not receive it. Because the power was sent by the Father to Jerusalem. God doesn't, let me say this. When the Lord spoke about my conception many years ago, or a few years ago, wherever it is, the prophet told my parents different times, that boy you will give birth to will be an apostle of the Lord. He will be established in London. Okay? And that's the reason why today, you know, over my life, uh, Pastor Josiah is involved with this, I want to say. We have some friends in America. Both of us. And these friends, one of them appointed me to his board as a, a law firm. He's one of the best law firms. There was, a, there was an argument towards the end of last year about a woman, you know, who they were, were indisputed, you know, treated in the U.S. And a law firm... Came in and built out from detention. That was Max Taver. I was appointed at the, at the board of Max Taver and Associate and also an appointed to the board of Liberty Council. That's Liberty University, Jerry Fowell through Max Taver. But let me say something to you. They took me, they invited me to America one day, himself and McComan, who is the fifth richest man in American history. Together with um uh, Sister Sarah Trollinger, who have been here. And I mean they took me to the house of common His house, the sitting room. The, this sitting room we went to to they took me to come and speak, is as big as from the, you know the stage? Okay, about double the stage. That is the sitting room. So the extent that when we did service there, my son, Siphas, the following, they said, at that church you we went to preach yesterday, they take me back there. <laughs> As every church. He said, that church you we went to preach. Because they have other rooms, big, big rooms like that. The, the area they live, you cannot come in there. They have to press button to come in. And everybody's house there is minimum of two, three acres. Everybody who lives in that estate. They are all millionaires and billionaires. So after they have taken me there, they now took me at the end of the tours before I left, they now took me to a bingo hall. And they said to me, Apostle, United Kingdom don't appreciate you. Your gift is not for UK. They say, they said to me that we, we buy this building. They said to me, you see that estate you went to? We will give you a house there. In your name, it will be yours. All right. You don't need to pay a penny. We will pay the money. They said, your ministry is what we need in America. They said, it is rare. And we need it. We will fund it. We will finance it. We just want to say yes. And then, they drove me around the place and took me home. So when we go home, I sat... Max David Dow And I said Matt I love you so much you know, I thank Sarah Sarah Tolinja is quite old But she's my spiritual daughter she, I was on her board as the patron And the matron of that board was Nancy Reagan So I was very much involved Still involved with those guys But when I sat down I said to Matt I didn't think twice I said Matt Did I not tell you when Jesus appeared to me He said go to London I'm talking about location. He said to me, go to London and start the work. I said, look, let me say something to you. You were a pastor before you became a lawyer. Okay? You went to law because you have passion to help the downtrodden. I said, that is pastoral. I will train you, lay hands on you, you will pastor these people. Tomorrow I'm going to London. He said to me that, you know, at that time, CFT was very, you know, we were still renting hall. <laughs> we were still renting All Saints Church and there's no heater. We are so frozen every day. And all of us too, we are still praying to God for success. You know, but we have a hope that what God told us, we will make it and now we have. But in those days, we were still thanking God for little grains of, 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 of Gary and, uh, and the little drops of water that forms an ocean. I did not think twice. Neither was I excited by all this glamour they showed me. Why? Location. When Jesus appeared to me in February, the four, He said, "Go to London." This is Pastor Diport. This is a, a, a Pastor a Bumi. They, Pastor Bumi was involved with my crusade in Lagos, which gave birth to the movement, you know, of MFM today. Redeem was not known at that time. And the crucifix spread all over. If I wanted to write on what happened, CFT would be all over Nigeria. They would be all over the world spreading like that. But you know something. He waits for you where he told you to go. Success in ministry is not having large millions of people. No. Success in ministry is not... Having money and, and, you know, all the comforts. Of course, too, when God makes you successful, He will give you all those things. Because Jesus says, seeking for the kingdom, and all this will be added. So, all the money, all the grammar, all the, you know, they are addition. Success is that you can hear God. You won't hear Him if you are not in the place He sent you. Because He will not come there to talk. He said, go to Jerusalem. It's not by mistake. Then he said, You will receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon. Then you build my weaknesses first in Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem again? Because that is the base. A person who does not have a solid base, if you launch out into church planting, you will die of frustration. You will die of frustration. Location is very important for all destiny. All destiny. Either destiny in academics, business and stuff. If you are in a wrong location, you you cannot meet the right people. I can't over talk about resurrection. Luke chapter 10, 1. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. Look at this. It says, after this, the Lord appointed somebody two others and send them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go They will see location? Jesus has said I'm going to do crusade in this village in this village in this village in this village so you guys go you go to Samaria I'm going there you go to this I'm going there so they went to the places where Jesus is about to go location number three I gave you is that your target group you must understand who God sent you to you know, in England, people have been coming to me over the years. In England, you know, uh, we have to reach the white community. We have to reach the white community. I say, how many of you? I'm not part of that. We because I don't know white community. I only know the community of God. Whether you are white or Asian or Indian or African, it doesn't matter to me. Why should I reach a particular community as a target? They said because many of us who are reaching our black community only, I said that, what community did Jesus reach? Just his own people, Nazarenes. All of them look alike. They are from the same village, really. <laughs> Not only that, they look alike. When God raises a man, the first people that will be attracted to you are the people of your tongue. Okay? Pastor Qatar, now, if I put Pastor Qatar and I, I want to post him now. In, in UK. I will post him to Slough. Because we have a lot of people from his tribe in Slough. That's why I will post him there. If I go knock those guys doors. The way I look. They will just say hello hi. That's it. If he knocks their door. They will speak their dialect first. To him. And if he responds to them. Oh come in, come in, come in. That is evangelism. See, they have received him as part of them. It's the same thing. If I go knock the doors of Nigerians. And they know that I'm a Nigerian. Quick, they opened the door to me. Really, the problem with me is that many people watching on television, when they meet me in church, they say that we thought you were a Sierra Leonean, some say you are a Ghanaian, so God just made me all manners of people in a, among the black people. So, so the first thing is that many people came thinking I'm a Sierra Leonean, but they have become the member of the church already. Some came saying I'm a Ghanaian, they became a member of the church, and some came saying they're Nigerian, they became a member Even some have said I'm a Frenchman, though I don't speak French. So before they recognize that, when they asked me that, what really are you? Which country do you come from? They have always said to me, you don't speak like Nigerian. I do. <laughs> I do. My staple food is Amala. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. <laughs> you know, there is something about your ethnicity that God uses in launching you out. The falsehood that will come to you Will be drawn, that will be drawn to you are people of your own Ethnic background But then when the church is now Growing then it will bring in Several people You must know who he sent it to If you look at the life of Jesus Christ The Bible says he was sent to the Jews Luke chapter 15 Verse 4 So Jesus never went to Rome he doesn't need it. But when he died, the gospel got to Rome. Amen. Okay. So if you look at the life of Christ himself, the Lord was sent for the salvation of the Jews. If you look at the life of Paul, when Jesus appeared to Paul, we looked at that yesterday, he was sent to the Gentiles. And this time Paul came to Jews. They beat nonsense out of him. They didn't beat Peter when it comes to the Jews. Because the Spirit God put in Paul, is the violent spirits that Gentiles have. And Jews, they're ideological. They don't have violent spirits. If you touch what they believe, then they'll be extremely violent. But the Gentiles worship idols. Alright? And some other Gentiles are very intellectual. And so God sent man, who is himself very forceful, violent, extremely violent, really. And extremely intellectual To go and deal with them You must know The people God has sent you Number four Your present Responsibility Before you go as a minister You must know your current responsibility I want to say this to those of you Who are founders of churches Bishops and stuff Don't send people Who are jobless To go and pastor a church Especially when the church is still growing. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. Don't tell somebody who has a thriving job that God is telling you to resign. God don't say things like that. No, God don't say things like that. God didn't give you a career in life to just bankrupt it because he wants to use you to punish you. No, God don't do things like that. Many people I've met on the field who have said that, oh, I was, they were well placed, you know, in society, well, you know, plays in office and earning good money. And they said, God is calling me. So they resigned to nothing. If anybody will be asked by a church to resign from his job, that church must be able to pay the salary that person is earning at that job. Because let me say this to you. where you are earning a particular salary, the standard of living of your wife and your children is marked by that. All right your responsibility in the family and other people you are involved with will be that standard. Now, when you say that God is calling you, or a church said resign, and that church cannot make provision of that standard to you, I think it's wicked. And I've not seen anyone in the Bible that that happened to. Let me give you an example. Jesus went to Peter, and he said, Peter, follow me. Alright? But before he said to Peter, follow me, I will make you fishers of men, he I said to Peter, borrow me your boat. Peter said, oh, it's of no use because we have been catching all and we've got nothing. So, use the boat. And Peter was there, we we're not listening. After Jesus finished using the boat for the gospel, Jesus laid a precedence. He now said, let's go in. In that boat, I am still here, long to the deep. He said, no, no, Jesus. You can't get fish now. They are all sleeping. You see, I'm a fisherman. You are a capital. Bo rabbi. And I haven't argued with Jesus. Jesus says, lunch. And he said that I'm not doing it because I'm convinced. But I'm doing it because you say so. Jesus said, just do it. When he threw the net, he caught fishes that should break his net. I want to help you understand some principle here. Fishing that should break the net by virtue of catch. Okay? But the net was intact. Which means, you see, Jesus will make provision for anyone he calls that will not get into your head no matter how big it is. He can't break you. Not only that, his, his boat was full Then he called all our friends and they filled every boat that came was filled by one catch. I think there's a principle there. That when the Lord calls you, if the Lord is the one who calls you to live what you are doing, He will bless it. He will not leave you a bankrupt person and all your children become miserable, your wife become miserable, and everybody is penniless, and everybody is getting angry with God. You didn't read that about Peter. Jesus left that family with enough beyond what they ever had financially. Not only that, they became a blessing to other people. So, when he now said to Peter, follow me. Why shouldn't he follow? He, Jesus had made provision for his family already. I will qualify this by let's talking about... You know, when Jesus called me, he said to me that when he appeared to me in the 4th February, I, he said to me, go back to London and do the job. I said, I'm a surveyor. And he said, what you should do first... You now do last. That's what he told me with his mouth. It's in my book. He didn't say to me, don't do surveying. He said, do it last. Did you understand what Jesus said to me? He didn't tell me, don't, not. He he didn't say, I didn't tell you to do surveying. He said, what you should do first is this gospel. Now you do it last. And that's the reason why I stopped surveying immediately. And went to the gospel. Okay? But when the church now grew. We bought Jesus City. My survey came back again. Alright? Right now we are designing a city. I sit as the master planner for it. Because that's what I prize all my life. I was just telling mommy that when I finish my LLM. I'm going to do my BSc in infrastructure. And, and get become a chartered engineer. And go and design the infrastructure. Because they are asking for 100 million for the infrastructure. To read B.S. Infrastructure won't cost me 10,000 or maybe 11,000 pounds. And I will just give the church do it. Do Jesus City Infrastructure as the project to earn my certificate. That's why I'm trained. Jesus didn't say, don't do it. He said, do this first. The, the, when, when, when Elijah said to the widow, give me first, the, the, the widow to not eat thereafter. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't send a jobless man on a mission. A person who cannot be successful in career cannot help others be successful. I you get them that? You must count the financial costs. Don't put your immediate family into, into a situation that you know they never bargained for. Saying, God is calling me, God is calling me. So you don't provide for the family anymore because God is calling you. Then all your children have to starve, your wife has to starve to death. That is not calling. That is not calling. Everybody God called. God called. Bless them. He blessed them. He did bless them. When can a minister stop working? When the work is big enough so that you can do nine to five jobs Monday to Friday over the church. Can you imagine if you are a minister and your church is not big enough and you are doing Monday to Friday. What will happen to you, I tell you sincerely, is that you have sometimes you don't even have work to do. You read Bible, you if you read Bible, read Bible, you want to relax. You want to do something else. It's not just Bible, 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 Bible. Bible, 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 your brain has to be active. The whole sense of your brain must be active. A minister is a general matrician Your fingers and everything. You do counseling, yes. You do church admin, yes. I will talk to you about church admin when I finish in the next session. I think um, I've spoken for one hour. Yes. Have I not? Okay, do you know what? Let me finish this. So that will give us two tapes in television recorded. And then we we'll go for a mini break. So what we're looking at is that your, your your the financial cost number five. How, no, no, no. What we're looking at the family number four. Your present responsibility must not suffer because you are called by God. That must be a provision for the family. You know, when uh, Elisha Elijah was called, he said, please let me go and settle my family, then I will follow Elijah. We must recognize this. For a minister to do a job or to do contract, to do business, it's not a sin. It's not a sin. Really, your church will need money at the beginning of any church. If a minister doesn't have other means that he makes money, legitimate means I'm talking about now, you'll be struggling. There are many things that, tools you, you need to take up. Let me say this. When CFT first started, I bought the first, uh, uh, combo. With my little pennies. And the guitar. Huh? I was the one who opened service. I was the one who led the prison and worship. I was the only chorister. And I would preach. I would collect offering, do conduct offering. I will pray for them and I will close. I will call the people, they say, no, 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 no. all my pastors. No, no, no. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and after some time, I kept on pushing them and then they opened the service and then kept on pushing them. Then they, they, uh, did the, the, the offering. I said pushing them and then we had some members of choir joining. Our mommy was part of the choir at that time too. When, you know, everybody had to join something anyway. And then, you know, <laughs> and in those days, you don't have to be skilled. I just say, you join the choir, you join, the, you do this, you do that. We're just a few numbers, and we did it. And this is how the church grew. And then somebody got did a miracle in, in the life of that woman. She was healed. Of, no, she was, you know, it's a, a spectacular miracle. I want to talk about the detail of that. And she just came and said, I discovered that your instrument is not good. She went to buy us a proper combo. And as the church was going, I could not earn salary because the bills of the church have to be paid. The contract of ministers is, if a minister doesn't earn salary in his church, he has not done any good thing. He's not done a good thing. If you don't answer in the church, there's no good thing good you have done. Because you earn salary, you'll be packed up, of course. You won't answer because what is coming in cannot take care of you. So if what is coming in cannot take care of you, why should you take a penny? Have you seen a person who works somewhere And they pay him from what he doesn't he doesn't earn It doesn't happen So the contract of first ministers is that our, our salary Even if we have contractual salary Our salary is not paid until all the bills of the church is paid And that's how we live There is a time we don't earn nothing Because we are not calling to it to come and earn It's not a profession It's a calling And when the work flourishes And then the work can refresh us a church that would deprive such person from receiving benefits will die too. You become a robber. When a minister has worked and his work is flourishing, you know, his comfort must be attached to his, his you know, what is coming in for him. That is the fruit of his labor. You rob him of that. If, if you narrowly enter heaven, you will be one of those who will be crying in heaven and will be coming to help you pacify. <laughs> that won't happen to you. I will gather now. So that's our contract. We don't earn. I remember when I was in Baptist Church and the Lord came to me and told me that they will offer you salary of thirty-five pounds. Don't take it, Pastor Sidney is a weakness of that. I think Pastor Isaiah was there too. I told Pastor Sidney and Pastor Emmanuel. God told me this. The following week we went to the to the to the uh, uh, leadership meeting. They said where well, we feel that we are robbing you, uh, you know, we want to give you an offer of uh, thirty-five pounds a week. And when they finished, I said, thank you so much. The Lord told me last week that you would do that. I shouldn't take it. Yes. 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 Because ministers must, you know, we must be very, very careful. If anybody looks at me today and is saying that, uh, uh, why should God do this for apostles? I'm so sorry for you. What you need to do is that, Father, open to me the trial Apostle went through. Yeah, it's time of testing. I was a minister yesterday after the meeting. We were chatting in my room. And he said to me, he said, the first place I met you, apostle, is my son too now. He said, the first place I met you, you were speaking in the meeting of another, this big minister and stuff. He said, when you finished teaching, I went home and I went into a long fast. He said, your message changed the whole of my pastor. said, because when you were speaking, as you were teaching us, that you do not come to work for God for money. If your aim is to earn, resign. You came to work for God to serve. If you have money as your main aim, you are finished. He said that God began to say to him that, why are you preaching then? Are you not preaching for what you will get? He said, God, really, it's true. The man who raised me said, anything you do for God, you must make money. If you don't make money, what are you making? He said, for us in that kingdom, if no money, we don't do. We plan crusade, we look at how much profit we make from it. You invite me to appropriate how much you're going to give me. If we are collecting offering today, how much is the offering? What is my portion? That's the kind of concept. Alright? There are some like that today. It said that from that time, I backed off from that community. And they all turned against me. But today God is blessing him. Yeah, God is blessing him. He church churches in different places. People will come and submit their church to him. They will tell him that we don't need a penny from you, we just want you to build our covering. Then they will send him money to him. That you are our father, we'll bless you. But we don't need money from you. We are okay. And he has churches in Kenya and other countries like that. But you see, when he made it turn around that time, it made a difference. It made a difference. Nobody, God cannot rob a man. If you obey him and serve him, he will surely compensate compensate you. The church the number five is the church the financial cost of how much you cost you. I've covered that. You must think about if you are going to Liverpool, how much will it cost me to start a church in Liverpool? Then if you are in the church, you're starting a church somewhere, what rent will we pay? If we pay rent for one year, we must buy our own place. How do I get all these things together? How much will it cost us to buy a land if we are going to buy and build? How much will it cost us to buy an auditorium? Okay, we're going to do church for three years and then we'll buy a new place. You have the concept that the place will grow. Are you with me now? When I talk about the church structure and stuff, I will give you more information about that. So, your, the financial cost of your church, you must think about. Let me say this to you. In Christ Tabernacle, it is our legacy. And uh, Pastor Tayo, please, these things I'm saying, you will be writing them down because we give a written note to all the pastors of these principles. Our offering in CFT Church, we do not spend it we keep it in a locked-up account. We don't spend it. We run the church through our tithes. So, which means that when I teach you about budgeting, maybe later today we'll look at that. So that I do not put my church in a debt that is unnecessary. Okay? So, if all the running costs, rents, bills, everything together is let's say, 10,000 pounds a month. And this church, without adding salary, after paying everybody salary, everything except me, and this church, at the end of that month, had a running cost. The church, the church income total was, uh, you know, t- tight was 10,000 pounds or 11,000 pounds. And the church, you know, I- you know expenditure went to Uh, 10,100, 10,900. It means that that month I should earn 100 salary. Are you with me now? So what do I do? My finger is on all the budgets. How the light is used. Do we do advert somewhere? We need to stop that advert. Because it will give us some more income. Oh, I have a television program there. And now, looking at the next three months, if we keep on paying it, we will run short of funding. I plug off that television, put the money back in the church. Oh, I was invited I need to travel some places. If I have to travel this next quarter, it will cost me X amount. I tell those who invited me, if you don't pay, I'm not coming. I cancel that meeting unless they pay. It's not going to be a burden on my church. So, I begin to make sure that I streamline my expenditure. Now, let me say this. Because it's our principle that our offering must not be touched. And we run costs only in the time. When we were to buy this building, we had money. Because we had building funds that people have been putting money in. But we have built in a huge amount of money. Over 2 million in our offering. Since they just started. So when we had to pay down payment for this building, I did not, I, I didn't even, we didn't advertise somewhere. On the phone I called the manager, we've got this building, this is how much it is, and we want it. She said, approved. Yes, because she knows what we have there. She knows what we have there. Now, to to be able to do that, understand that I have sacrificed a lot. Times that I should be comforted, I said no. Times they should increase my salary, I said no. Really, if the money is not enough, that salary should not be paid. Benefits that they, they, in my contract I should have this benefit, this benefit, this benefit, I didn't get it. Why? I'm looking for a country. The foundation is not of man, but of God. I have a vision that this church we started in a room in my house one day they will be in an auditorium like this, bigger than this. Really, when we came to this auditorium, I told my mother that no, this is too small for what I what I saw. She said to me that that's how you do. You buy this for us. You go and look for the one you saw. <laughs> when you see the one you saw, I will, will pastor your people here. You go and we look it. <laughs> you must count. The cost. Counting the cost is not what you do initially in church planting. It's what you carry out through your life of churching. And that is translated into budgeting. Budgeting. And we'll look at that in our next turn. All right, I have just about five minutes more on this turn. Then the number six is church structure. We'll talk about that. Remember, your gift bring the people, the teaching of the word build up the people, but your structure maintain the number. So as people are coming in, if no structure, they'll be going out. That's the back door, the devil making them go out. It's your structure. <laughs> Hallelujah. Imagine you have, um, 1,000 people coming to this church to worship, and you only have 100 chairs. If they come today, they stand up. And they come the next week, they stand up. Do you think they come the third week? So that's how your structure is. Very, very important. Number seven, the immediate need of the church. We have covered that as well. You know, if you are planning a church, you need a space, you need a PA system, you need this and that and that. And as the church is growing, you need to be recording so that people can be buying the tapes and be listening again to the message and message. And as the church is growing, you had an analog before, you want to go digital as the church is growing you have a little small place you are meeting now the people are now so many so you are having two, three services and it's becoming a nuisance then you begin to look for another bigger place all those stuff they are the things you consider uh, immediate need immediate need and if you are well planning you will have made provision for need before the need will show up now number eight who is backing you up this I'm not talking to pioneers. Pioneer, only God is backing you up. Because when God sends you, He takes you away from everybody and cuts them away from you. He will not even allow them to help you. Because pioneers, if you read the scriptures, pioneers always suffer before they have success. But those of you who are called into an existing operation, you you will see that, let me tell you this, let me give you straight scriptures. Now, the book of Acts, apostles met uh, on, on the Pentecost, 120 people, yeah. But if you look at, it, they suffer for some time because they lock themselves; oh, they are so much afraid. In chapter one, okay. But did that happen in the Church of Antioch? In chapter thirteen, no, no. The Church of Antioch was not a parum church; they didn't lock up themselves. There is nobody chasing them, but the pioneers were chased. Even they told them not to preach again in the name of Jesus Christ and kingdom. Okay. If you look at the church of Antioch, it says that in chapter 13. It said in the church of Antioch were teachers and prophets. They were having a cool time, enjoying themselves, prophesy all the time, and teach. That's it. Enjoying the cool of the church, flourishing. And then the Holy Ghost says, pray for me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work I have sent them. Verse 4 says, after they have fasted, they lay hands on them and send them forth. Who is sending you? You must not go without being sent. That terrain is different from inside household. You know, when a child is still living with the father, the father pays mortgage. That child just leaves. he doesn't care. He switch on light for twenty four hours because the father is one paying the light. Like, you tell him that don't 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 stop the stop putting on light. Like, say yes, dad, yes, daddy. I should give go. He switch on the light again. All right. That child, because as far as he's concerned, daddy have to pay. He doesn't know how daddy gets money. He doesn't care how. And when he's hungry, mommy, I'm hungry. So when he's mo- hungry, uh, he's mommy. If it's his bill, he's daddy. School fees, he wouldn't take it to mommy. he would take it to daddy. When, he, when he's uh, food, he goes to mommy. The guys know what they are doing. Until one day they decide that, well, I've had enough of you guys. I want to be a mom myself. And they walk out. And then they go and rent a house. And the first thing that happened is that they were just the postman, BAH! When they take, carry the letter, gas bill, <laughs> load of electricity, <laughs> water rate, <it? laughs> ah! Then they come to you and say, Daddy, I don't know license, I don't know all these things you were paying me. Oh yes, boy, you are now a man. Sort yourself out. A child who didn't count the cost, I'm sure what, what they do is that they will, they will branch him the mummy's house and they will collect all his garry and take all the all the there. They will just say we came to visit you. They, they take it and they read and they go <laughs> because they were not fully equipped. Until when they are fully equipped. So to go out, who is sending you? If you are sent by the Holy Spirit from an ecclesia, that church backs you up. But if you are Pioneer Then know this That it's only God Yeah And God will Back up a pioneer But he will not Back up somebody He didn't send to be a pioneer He will struggle And fear Because God is God is a God of equity Who is backing up now, The last one is Have you been Fully discipled You who want to teach others Have you been fully taught In closing Note, never send a jobless man to pioneer a church that is to start a church. You need a hard you need hard-working men and women. Somebody in church who is who lazy and who is not. Who you are talking about, God called me, God called me, and he did nothing in church. God called me, God called me, he doesn't have a job. He's no, He has no responsibility. Okay? You send him to go and pastor people, you have failed before you started. Even if fire is burning on his head. I don't care. Because the attitude of responsibility disciplines a man to leadership. You have what I said. The attitude of responsibility disciplines a man to leadership. So you need hardworking men. John 9, 4. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent us. Night is coming when no, man, no one can walk. Jesus was a son of carpenter. So he was a carpenter. What is your trade? The calling of the disciples in Luke, look at it. Luke chapter 6, verse 12 to 15. You will discover that all the twelve had jobs. Fishermen, tax collectors, politicians, zealots, and the rest of them. Well, we're going to stop in this for now because um, I think you have been seated now for an hour. I want us to relax for about 15 minutes and then we'll come back again. Please make sure you do stand up and go and come back. We'll come back again and look at Raising a Healthy Church.